Welcome back to A People's History of the Old Republic, episode 1.8, We Fought the Star Wars and the Star Wars won. I'm Kelsey, that's Luke, and there's always a little bit of truth in legends. Just as a quick reminder, this podcast is on its narrative hiatus um, for uh, just a month or so more. Um, if you're expecting more of the narrative from the Knights of the Old Republic 2, it is coming, but it will be coming in the second half of March. Um, in the meantime, we are making space for other aspects of Star Wars that we want to dive into that don't really fit cleanly into the narrative or that are newer and we just want to talk about because they're new and fresh. And so today we are talking about the Wars of Star Wars, um, which is going to be a mouthful to say, but I'm going to keep saying it. And um, if you listened to the to my appearance on the Podside Picnic episode, I talked a little bit um, about war in Star Wars. And so this will probably cover some familiar territory, but there's plenty of other stuff in there. And I'm sure Luke and I have very different things to say um, or additional things to say as we flesh out this space. Um, so I want to start with um, the, we are, this is one of the cleanest areas of, of split canon. Um, where there is a whole saga, which we may eventually get to when we start talking about the wars of the New Republic or the people's history of the New Republic, where there's like a whole post-Return post, uh, of the Jedi era that's in vivid detail and full of characters who are sometimes borrowed over in other shows that just, just wiped out, just wiped clear. That's a clean slate um other stuff is exploring that and fleshing out in the new canon and that's probably been the biggest explicit wipe um and so we'll probably talk about the use on vong today but that is uh, extremely no longer canon um do you want to dive a little into that luke everyone's favorite uh, I mean, the use on vong it's <laughs> Jeez, um, the Vong are—there's uh, so much detail about them, and they make so so little sense. And on the one hand, I really, really hope they don't bring it back. Not because it's bad; it, it's kind of bad, but because, like it just relies on so many like like deus ex machinas on top of like just the like craziest bunch of circumstances like these guys the, the vong traveled in intergalactic space for like 15 to 20,000 years and like they apparently had some sort of like uh early like early warning tracker ships that went ahead but even though most of their small ships couldn't fly without like a big mothership nearby and it's just like what the hell is this and like some of it is legitimately good and enjoyable and it's fun and it, i mean like if you're gonna do the um the thing where everybody just keeps getting more and more powerful, which was a big thing that happened in the Legends New Republic era, and as apparently is something that they're doing now in uh, the canon one as well after the Rise of Skywalker. But um, if you're going to do it, they at least do it right by having like Luke just annihilate like 10 of these use on Vong at once where it takes like other, like even, even good strong Jedi, like Kip Duran, um, when he wasn't, uh, um, possessed by Exar Kun, um, 
he he had difficulty with it but you know luke's out there and he's just annihilating like 10 of these dudes so like you either have to do it where it's like a restrained thing or you just have to completely lean into it and it it just depends on how much it works for you and and like it's some of it's fun to me but at the same time i'm just like come on and like jason solo like i don't care what else they did but wiping jason zolo was the best thing i don't care how if you don't like the sequel trilogy or anything like that but if you like jason more than kylo i like i i don't understand so my first deep exposure into like the lore beyond the characters of the prequel and i guess really a lot of what the early expanded universe stuff was, and especially the post return, the Jedi stuff was like, how do we keep telling the story about this, about Han, Luke and Leia? And as a like elementary schooler, I picked up a ton of like the young Jedi Knights and stuff. And in that, right. It's like, Oh, the solo is twins. There's, there's Jason and there's Jaina and they're delightful and charming. And then like, I stopped reading them after a certain point and I like went off to college. And I remember like taking some quiet evening in reading Wikipedia and like, so whatever happened to Jason solo? No, no. Oh no. It is so bad because the thing about Jason solo is that, okay, this is the whole, this is the whole thing that bothers me. Like, Okay, so you build him up, and he's doing the thing where he's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm gonna." He he basically gets duped into thinking that like the Sith and the dark side are good, and this happens over like months and years, and he has like different teachers who help them who help him. There's like uh, uh, Lumaya and um, oh, what was the the bird woman's name? Oh. In the Vong. Oh my God. It's going to come to me anyway. Um, and someone's yelling at us right now. Like I know the damn name. Um, so you have all of these, uh, he has all of these teachers and Luke is completely oblivious to it. It is. Oh, it's so annoying. If he is that powerful in the force. And you know that your dad fell the same way. Ha- okay, I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> like. I, I've I've only read a few of those books. I don't know why that gets on my nerves so much. It just does. So anyway, no, sorry. So- yeah, Jason Solo. Yeah. So one of the things I think that is. Um- since we're since we're really like we're starting we're starting at the end here where the Yuuzhan Vong War is like the last big big thing that happens in canon before really they like maybe canon maybe this sprawling canon with all these authors is a mistake and it's certainly something that Disney found deeply unwieldy though as we discussed um, in the Clone War Tale of Two Clone Wars episodes right it was clear that Lucas itself was going to uh, Lucasfilm itself was working on trimming down. The canon, and one of the things um, I think it's interesting about, like what how this canon got the way it did, is they wanted to create an existential threat to the whole galaxy, um, and so they have this weird species arrive that threatens absolutely everything all at once, and then you have to, and then you get your stories of like, well, Jason is looking at the dark side of the force to figure out if that's where the answer is. And all our protagonists are still there doing big dramatic things and you have to, but it was a, it was very much a philosophy of you cannot reset the universe and you cannot, um, what brings about galactic unity except an external threat, um, that drives it. And it's sort of, um, it's almost like, the Yuuzhan Vong are, this is going to be a stretch of a metaphor, but they're like the squid in Watchmen, where you need, where the idea, where you have like a, a very, you have, you have a very clever boy who thinks that the answer to problems is to create an external threat to rally against. Um, 
and and that's that's the whole arc of of Watchmen is is there's this massive thing that is truly created and it's a mess and it's gross and it's alien um, and it drives the world together because it was so gross um, and scary and also killed a ton of people and that's not like for all the limitations of what we we saw um, in the sequel in the sequel trilogy what was really interesting was the idea that instead of needing a universe where the threats keep getting bigger really it's that it turns inward on itself right it keeps circling in and that you have um that you have sith and you have these authoritarian strands that keep trying to pull apart um a a fragile project of galactic democracy um and i think that works better i think that's a tidier aesthetic um to make it so that the the universe of Star Wars is fundamentally fluctuating between periods of um, imperial consolidation and authoritarianism and periods of um, democratic rule and that you have in parallel to that um, light side and dark side force powers rising. Um, and I think, yeah, that was a better choice to make for the, for the sequels than certainly something like what if Tyranids, but they're in Star Wars, and uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i think i think the vong i mean they they do they do that uh, external threat and um i i think that on, i think on one level i mean it, it works because it is a big external threat and you have something that is uh, largely immune to a lot of what the Jedi can do. They're obviously not immune to being thrown, you know, telekinesis or anything like that, but um, they're immune to, they, they can't be seen through the force. And then, I mean, there's, there, I mean, like, I, I'm just thinking of so many things that are just, that just happened during that. There's a living planet, the Vong, absolutely destroy Coruscant and take it over as their new capital and then Luke and and Jason and a few others find the like a seed of the original Vong planet and it's like a it's a living planet and it can jump through hyperspace and it can create ships and yeah, it's a lot. Um and it's uh I mean they they did a they did a good job um um with the external threat and bringing everyone together and the answer to um the bird woman who trained Jason Solo was Vergeer or Vergeer or Verger or however you say it. Um but that was her name. And I knew it would come to me eventually. Um, it's, uh, but one thing I do, I do want to say about, uh, about the Vong is that, so there's in, in Canon now, there is like a kind of like Vong-esque group called the Grisk and they've only shown up in the Thrawn novels um, by Timothy Zahn, the new Thrawn trilogy. Um, but they're, they're not the same as the Vong. They are extra galactic in some way, but they're not the same. And I think they might, uh, they might play a part in the upcoming Rebels animated series sequel that hasn't been confirmed, but it's been rumored a lot. Um, so there's that. Um, and also it, um, it led into the, um, the legacy comic series, which is the, um, the new Sith Imperial war or something. I can't even remember what it's called, but it takes place in 138 BBY and 139 or at 138 ABY and 139. And I mean, it is like 
it is out there and uh it's interesting like the lore in it and everything is really interesting to me and it's funny because i, I like that comic series so much and i utterly despise kate skywalker it's just the most annoying character ever i hate it <laughs> An impressive, an impressive feat. So, um, I was just going to note, so we have um, a little, so to, to highlight the disparity in, um, in post-film timeline, um, the, in the, in the now canon, um, there's hardly anything happens after 35 ABY, which is the end of, um, the rise of Skywalker and in the old canon, the old canon goes to um, 140 ABY, which is, you know, that's 105 extra years of canon there. Um, and there's this incredible note um, from Wikipedia that I'm just going to read because it's incredibly well phrased or hilariously phrased quote, star Wars history officially ends here. No bracket legends bracket comic book video game or movie explains anything past 140 ABY. Anything written past this point is not valid in any way and is not sourced material. End quote. <laughs> Which is um, remarkable about these things for for a canon gotta... that goes back thousands of years. <laughs> They're like okay, and then everything you see that happens, great. There is. At most, like five generations after that, maybe six. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> and it's interesting because they've they've been doing that same thing in canon for for forever. Like they have they have bracketed this thing, and they're really skittish about going outside those brackets. Like. They're really, you know, anything before uh, about, you know, five to ten years before uh, A Phantom Menace is basically completely untouched, except for like a couple of flashbacks and, you know, like rough descriptions and things like that. And and then, you know, after 35, I, I mean, I don't have any inside information or anything but i can't imagine that they're going to be doing a whole lot of <clears throat> a whole lot of stuff post 35 uh aby but i mean i guess they could like uh i wouldn't be surprised to see like a ray like book trilogy or something like that um uh but well, you, you know, know what i don't i think they're going back from here is, is i guess what i'm trying to say and and I imagine that's also where they will want to explore, especially since of of Star Wars properties made under Disney's watch. Um, like we have the continuation right of of Clone Wars, but really what we have is um, we have two prequels, and they're very near prequels. Um, none of them none of them go back as far as the actual prequel trilogy, and then we have three sequels. A and uh, I guess Rebels is technically in the prequel space but just barely um and then we and then we have mandalorian right which is post which is a in the timeline more covered by sequel trilogy it's like right after right we as we talked last time it's right after yeah so everything before um everything before the beginning of a new hope is prequel and everything between a new hope and and return of the Jedi is the original trilogy. And then everything after that is, I guess, sequel era, I guess, I guess that's kind of how it's drawn up. So the original trilogy is just its own little thing. And now there's some comics about it, but you know, and they've basically only done prequel and sequel stuff for a long time. And they've only, and they've kept it really, really close in there. And I'm thinking the one protagonist really if we're looking to throw the story forward into the future um the one protagonist who could potentially do it would be um would be baby yoda um yeah yeah i i agree with that and 
<clears throat> I'm interested to see how how they're going to work Baby Yoda in. Like, is Baby Yoda going to be trained by um, some you know a member of his of his own species? Is Baby Yoda going to be trained by a member of the Jedi Order or a Jedi Remnant or something else? Is Baby Yoda actually going to be trained at all? Um, you know, or like, uh, you know, is, where is Baby Yoda going to cross paths with uh, Luke or Ray or um, whoever? And it, yeah, I, I think I think they could use Baby Yoda a lot because I mean, yeah, like the Baby Yoda. If Yoda's is the you know is the uttermost time span, then you've got anywhere between you know probably. 300 to 900 years you know that you could do something with baby yoda and i mean they really could jump a long way in the future and do like some comics or something like that i don't think they're going to but i would be pleasant i would like to be pleasantly surprised so i also just realized like Yeah, have an idea. It's like, oh, I wonder if anyone has thought of this. And it turns out there are um, over 400,000 results for Baby Yoda in Mandalorian armor. So uh, the internet is taking care of that (laughs) quite handily. (laughs) um, But yeah, so that's that's one way. And that could explore um, a new time. But what it looks like, um, for all intents and purposes, the the canon is going to... Other than properties we know that they're continuing, um, there's much more past to mine than there is future to chart. Um, and one of the things I think that's really interesting in there is like, what is how do you get to a point where you have, where you, how do you get to the point where the old Republic that we are introduced to in full in Phantom Menace is the the sort of decadent near collapse stage it is at um no one really knows can tell that it's at near collapse but it doesn't have um its sole means of enforcement as far as we can tell are are the jedi who it dispatches um to to manage crisis and it doesn't have a military and that's a sharp break from the from the republic we know of and we've been talking about um in our narrative uh, sequence where we are going deep into what do the wars of the Republic look like? And then granted it had um, the time leading up to KOTOR 2 is full of uh, it's as full of war as like the first half of the 20th century. It's a mess um, and it exhausts the, the Republic to to do it all. But at least the Republic is like, hmm. Maybe if we are worried about people doing violence with spaceships, we should have spaceships of our own and a navy and also armies. Um, which again, totally absent by the time we get to uh, we get to Phantom Menace, where the way Palpatine's whole arc for subverting um, the Republic is to say is to provoke a crisis and then create an army. Um, a weird anomaly. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting, and and they keep talking about the High Republic stuff, and um, I so I guess that they I guess that they could do something there, you know, a few hundred years in the past where it didn't have um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you you don't have Republic troopers, you don't have clones, you don't have stormtroopers or you know republic troopers or whatever they're called um and i mean there there is a lot of space they can play in there um but i mean obviously i think you know the big thing that they that they could do is they could go back and you know they can they could play with the the old republic stuff and you know like see how they're going to do because the timeline has obviously um been uh compressed it's not 30 some odd thousand years in the past um it's probably more like 10,000 or so is like the 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 utmost limit of what we know about right now um in canon and um 
so there's, you know, some room to play in there where you could say like, okay, um, you know, we're going to talk about Knights of the Old Republic or we're going to talk about something in the Old Republic and it takes place, you know, in 2000 BPY instead of, you know, 4000, like it, it took place in Legends and, you know, you can just move it around and see, it, you know, and and see how it would be there. But it's, um, I mean... You know, like I mean, obviously, I obviously I uh, we want them to to do something like this, but it. I mean, to me, it's also just the logical can the logical conclusion. Like you know, this is this is the most popular, um, basically the most popular thing in the franchise outside of the movies and the TV shows that I know of. Now, like the original novelization of a new hope or star Wars, like back in the late seventies sold like a million copies or something like that for somehow, I don't know. Um, and what is, and will probably always be the greatest selling like star Wars thing outside of the movies. Um, but like, other than that, it's pretty much Knights of the Old Republic and Darth Bane trilogy, which is, you know, right around 1000 BBY. And, um, yeah, I mean, like you, you. I guess you could do stuff from from the future, like we were talking about. But I mean, I don't know if I don't know if Kathleen Kennedy really wants to hit that Yuzong Vaughn button. That's uh, that's a that's a tough button to hit, especially since now you have to like go into the future from here and like build out a Jedi and build out like this entire Republic that or some kind of government, whatever kind of government it would be, we, I mean, they have to like build that out from here. Whereas, you know, like in, with the Vong, they were in like 25 to 29 ABY. And I mean, by then Luke had built up the new Jedi order and blah, 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 blah. There's a new Republic. It's existed for a while. It's incompetent. Just like the New Republic and Canon, and they're just both they're incompetent in different ways and some of the same ways. But you know, long story short, it's just infinite recursions of the same thing over and over and over again. It's like you said, it's an an imperial system rising up in some way, and it fights the Republic system, and some rarely the imperial system wins. And but the Republic is, you know, it's rarely um, super ascendant like it is in the Phantom Menace. Like, you know, that, I mean, we know it's going to fall, but at the same time, like it is it's it's ascendant like that is pretty close to the crest of what it is. I mean, obviously, now they're talking about the High Republic, which, you know, I guess would be like the decadent, decadent society, you know, Rome however many years before the fall and then and then you know it ends up in constantinople at the very end and i guess that's the phantom menace in this allegory is the is constantinople and revenge of the sith is mehmed the conqueror i guess yeah i mean yeah i guess i guess that's where we are I don't know. I probably messed that up. And if if you if you guys are history buffs, please tell me how I did it wrong. But do it kindly. I just that's just off the top of my head now. You know, let's not. Uh, let's. I I don't. I'm I'm not trying to pretend I know anything about history. I'm a lawyer by trade. Damn it. <laughs> I love the idea of Star Killer Base as the cannon that tore down. Uh, Constantinople, wait, no, I mean um, Coruscant, wait, no, no, everyone yeah. likes Coruscant, yeah, let's yeah, not make yeah. it Hosnian Prime? Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny that they had to talk that they, like, the 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 Coruscant was on the list of, of places to be destroyed, like, I mean, in in um, The Force Awakens, that's, that's a rumor I don't I mean, you know, I don't guess that's 100% verified as far as I know, but, um, you know, that to me is like, is shocking because if you blow up Coruscant, like, I mean, I get like on it, actually, you know, the more I think about it, that might've actually had more, I guess, weight behind. I mean, it definitely would have more weight behind it 
you know, because of everything as opposed to Hosni Prime, which nobody knew anything about. But, like, yeah, I don't know. It's still weird. Still weird to me. I mean, and it's one of the things that we talked a lot about this on the Mandalorian episode is that Star Wars has, and especially in films now, struggled to tell a post-war story. And granted, the conceit of the universe and the fiction is that you need to have a story where there are these like iconic vehicles and weapons and troops fighting. Um, sure. But like before the Mandalorian, really, like we don't get any real sense of like force the Imperial style forces have tangibly suffered a loss um, in a way that they, but like that there are stragglers and diehards and holdouts. Um, and when you do a, a cannon wipe like that, right? Like the reason that you can't tell the Yuzong Vong story, or you can't tell um, a lot of what uh, legends and expanded universe had explored post return of the Jedi is they reset the government again um, so that the the New Republic has a very, very short reign. And rather than being like a young but established government that has experience um, consolidating power, you just get, you get a nullity. You get an absence of governance. You get destruction. You get planets that became important and then were no longer important, like wiped out. Like I'm trying to think if there's even an analogy in history or an analog where a city becomes important for 30 years and then doesn't exist when it hadn't been important before. Um, and I am, I am struggling. <laughs> um, it's, I mean, it's, so the thing the thing about it is that I mean and and I know that you know I know that a lot of people don't care about this even like way more fans have never even thought about this than have because you know most Star Wars fans don't you know they they see the movies and and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that um obviously this podcast is for people who are uh you know a little bit a little bit more obsessive about it um or whatever word you want to use um and so it just it's so weird to me that that they they decided to go with like okay we're just going to blow this thing up and we're going to start over again because there's nothing there there's there's nothing there's no home base for any of this and in a way to me it just shows how ridiculously in some ways useless the you know the the republic or the empire were and are because i mean by the end of the rise of skywalker the majority of the worlds are either like they've gone into isolation or like the first order has like taken them over but by taking them over we mean like um you know they're occupying them and and so it's like they but they don't have like a home base they don't have a um they, they don't have a place where they like a planet they don't have a coruscant they don't have bis they don't have um you know take your pick uh corabon or, or where, where wherever and it's just it feels like it feels like those institutions are kind of meaningless i mean obviously i know they're they aren't um at least in the standpoint of of star wars but it kind of feels like i mean now if you however you wanted to view the future of star wars from here in terms of like if you're if you're at the end of the rise of skywalker looking forward like whoever goes to write that, if they ever do get to writing that, I mean, I'm sure they will at some point just has a completely blank canvas that they can use. Like there's this just total, somebody asked us in, um, on Twitter about, you know, what, what are the big openings 
after the rise of Skywalker, like in the galaxy. And I, I got to thinking about it and I was like, literally everything. There is no, there's like the Sith or the Sith Eternal or whatever they are. If it exists, it doesn't exist in like a meaningful way. The Jedi or are almost non-existent. Um, there is no Republic. There is no Empire. There is no. There might be there. There's an Imperial remnant of some kind. I mean, there are the Huts, um, but you know who who the hell? They, they, I mean, they don't they don't set up like big governments like that normally. And I mean, they're the Chiss out in the unknown regions where Thrawn is from and where he and Ezra might be. But like, I mean. The galaxy is a blank slate. I'm just rambling, but yeah, it's just a blank slate. There's like Ray and Baby Yoda, and uh, yep, there you go. Canvas. Well, here, knock yourself out. Here's my here's my new and um, incredibly scorching hot hot take about all this. By the end of Rise of Skywalker, um, the clearest faction to have won victory in the universe of everyone we've seen the the ideology that has been supported and won out is the separatists um when and we the separatists i thought, were, you, I thought you were gonna say you know the uh the techno council but you know i okay fine i'll i'll defer yeah I, yeah i don't <laughs> Yeah. No, you're right. It, yeah. Like the set, like, like we all like laugh about the, the crawl of, uh, I believe it's uh revenge of the Sith says heroes on both sides or whatever. Um, but in the star Wars canon that like the separatists are, especially in the clone wars, like their motives are portrayed for the whole, for for not just the like droids that we see and Count Dooku being like an over the top like theatrical supervillain or whatever, but they have like real motivations. Like they felt like the Republic wasn't doing what it needed to do, and like they have real reasons for separating and stuff like that. So it's interesting to see that, and then it's also interesting, like as Kelsey said, that you know that they just they knew that the Republic was failing and they want to do something else. Now, of course the other side of that coin is that, you know, that was all a trick by the, the evil, the big bad, um, Sheev. But, um, yeah. So, right. I mean, so you're right. Things, you're not wrong. So one of the things, right. And this is, um, because so much of how the star Wars story is told is it's told, very high level and granted our entry points to high level are like you know um we got a trio of desert orphans who then get pulled up into all of this but um well i guess vader isn't an orphan uh, qui-gon just refuses to anyway uh <laughs> qui-gon not a great dude turns out um but the but the no, story we false. see they have completely rehabilitated him in the um in the extended canon i i'm i'm not here to defend him um not freeing Sh <laughs> um Shmi skywalker from slavery i'm just saying they get like his intention in in the in the extended stuff is to go back and free her after Naboo, but obviously he can't do that. And there are other reasons why other people weren't able to rescue her either. Um, and yeah, but I mean, obviously, yeah, that's a, like it, it's it's awful. Yeah, um, it's an awful oh. oversight. Yeah, it's. <laughs> So, yeah, so what we get, right, is we get these characters who are plucked out of the desert and pulled up into the highest levels of a, of not just of a military conflict, but of, like, the leadership of this, like, military religious conflict. But, like, for the people on the ground, right, like, the people who see that the, who saw what happened to Naboo think, hmm, maybe the answer is that we look for security outside the Republic, maybe we strike a bargain with this offer of a droid army and then we and then we go our own way while we build up our own forces. 
those people and like that sure at the high levels they'll see like oh well this is being done for Count Dooku or this is part of a broader war or they'll be making this decision but like the grunts doing the enlisting and the fighting and the figuring out how to do like military self-sufficiency for their thing they don't see that this is they like they, they have a a probably a very minimal understanding of the galactic nature of these galactic wars and you can trace right like the the lines get blurred post post clone wars some but like there's a lot of people who are trained to fight um like like and correct me if i'm wrong on this in the canon but like a lot of the separatists end up in the rebel alliance and then end up outside the new republic um after yeah yeah yeah, something something that's interesting is that uh, when you realize the separatists and the rebels, they use the same kind of uh, of they use the same color blaster bolts. Um, they're red because they're the cheapest ones. I'm not kidding. They're like they do, and once you put two and two together, you realize that the separatists were just proto rebels. That at least that's how like that. I mean, that's how they've made it out now. Like. I can't say for sure if that was George Lucas's original intention, but I mean, he did approve all that stuff in the Clone Wars about how, you know, uh, you know, showing the other side of the separatists. So, I mean, yeah, who knows? Even if he didn't, I guess he was fine with it, you know, them massaging it that way. So, and then we also see one of the more, one of the better Clone Wars threads um, is the series of the, the multi-part episode arc where, where Saw Gerrera is a, is a Republic-trained insurgent um, cell designed to disrupt Separatist control. Um, and one of the things we know of in, in how this works in the real world, right, is once you start training, once a sponsoring government starts training people in tactics designed to disrupt the local rule, then those people become, they have a almost a sort of like, well, it's extremely extra-legal, but it's a... a profession and skill set that draws them to other conflicts where that is happening. Um, and in the Ark and the Clone Wars, it's designed to, to disrupt separatists and droids and Dooku and all that. Um, and then when we see Saw Gerrera, um, I haven't seen Rebels, that's an oversight of mine I'm working on fixing, but when we see Saw Gerrera in Rogue One, it's that same lineage of learning how to break the... break local power and local governments that leads him to be an extremist faction within the broader arc of the rebel universe, even if he's not fully in the Alliance yet. Well, I think so. I think that there are two things there. The first one is that they've confirmed in, um, extra, um, in like extras for those Clone Wars episodes that this, like, Anakin training saw is the beginning of the unbroken line from saw to the, um, the other rebels that end up showing up and the different rebel factions that we get in the show rebels. And then uh, the rebels that we see in rogue one. And that is the, that's the unbroken line. So it, in the way that they're showing it, Anakin and Ahsoka, but mostly Anakin trained and started the rebellion that ended up killing him and toppling the government that he had, you know, so, so obviously helped create. And, um, and then on the other hand, the, the thing about the thing about saw is that, he is portrayed as someone who uses um, ridiculously over the top methods and does things that are outside the bounds of um, decency. And, you know, some of that stuff is, uh, you know, I think true because in different um, canon stuff, he like, they like absolutely slaughter with like, 
knives or saws or something like that. An entire group of like civilians, none of whom had anything to do with uh, the empire or anything like that. It was just like farmers and, and shit. So it's like, on the one hand, yes, saw is like saw is right about a lot of things. But then on the other hand, you're like, oh, well, yeah, if you'd explain that, then it would explain why they think he's so over the top because they never really do that. They just say he's over the top and then they show him being like, yeah, I bombed a, uh, a, uh, an Imperial, um, communications tower. Yep. What have you guys been doing? Nothing cool. Like, I mean, so like on the one hand they do, they, I think they intentionally do like a, especially rebels in rogue one intentionally goes to show that like, this has to be done. And in order to do this, some bad shit is going to happen. You're going to have to do that bad shit. And, um, you know, Cassian does that at the beginning of rogue one and the rebels do that. And saw does that. So, you know, there's that thread of it. Um, but there's also the thread of, you know, like, um, the, you know, trying to, I don't know what the hell did Bon Mothma do? I mean, I know, I know, Bale funded a lot of it, but like, I mean, like, I well, know she's Mom, like Mom a politician. Just the trick. Oh, she's the committee. Okay, okay. She's the committee. She's the one. I mean, I think, and right, we don't get, I think, enough time with Mon Mapa on screen. But also, one of the things that is interesting is that her role and what we see her doing is is being a mediating force among among disparate factions granted that is a mediating force and uh, um she is clearly not in control in the events of rogue one um though she is in the events of a return of a jedi um probably uh due to the impulsive commanders going and getting themselves killed um that's a good way yeah. to consolidate power um <laughs> but one of the things interesting too, i mean I yeah like yeah, I mean that, but you know, now that I think of it, that happens in um, in Legends too. It happened in Dark Empire. They, uh, they, I mean, they they didn't really go off and get themselves killed. They got uh, shot by the uh, the Galaxy Gun. Which, uh, yeah, there you go. That's something to look up if you ever want to uh, enjoy some retro Star Wars and or late eighties is is that's that's good stuff right there. Don't 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 let anybody fool you. Dark Empire is uh, it's special. <laughs> um, so I think something interesting too to think about how the way the way this universe handles war, right? And a lot of it is is immediately what were the influences on on George Lucas, and you can see from his the way he stylized the fights, he was super into. Um, into like the fighter fighter pilot movies of about World War World War Two and World War One, um, and then when we're talking about um, insurgent stuff, he is writing it in like the way we tell stories of like French resistance or you're under occupied territory or you're doing these things and it's heroic because the enemy is clear and evil, but it's also being written at the time where the um, the U.S. was fighting its third longest overseas counterinsurgency war. Um, right? Vietnam looms heavy in in all film of that era, and especially in just like the, the styling and the adaptation of it. And then when we get to um, how Clone Wars carries out, um, how it c- carries out insurgency and how future films do it, the uh, the wars get, and it's still, it's still Star Wars, it's still, it's still toned down, but they get significantly more brutal, I think, the further they get away from that that sanitized vision of World War II um, defiance. Oh yeah, oh yeah. In uh, in Legacy, there's a, a, a like uh, they stick the the Mon Cal and the Corins in uh, in concentration camps, and they basically have like an uh, an organized genocide against them because they uh, helped they helped uh, the a rebel faction against the ruling Sith um, the one Sith um, led by Darth Krait somehow has the worst Sith name 
out of all of the terrible <laughs> Darth Crate, the one Sith. Um, and yeah, don't yeah, don't worry about it. Um, but everybody in the one Sith is a Darth, as opposed to everybody in the Brotherhood of Darkness. Not no one was a Darth. I guess I'll have to read up on that before we get to Darth Bane. Um. Anyway, well, that was a powerfully stupid diversion. <laughs> um, um, no, no, but, no, but, uh, it, but they, but yeah, in Legacy, they, um, there, there's, there's a genocide or an attempted genocide against the Moncal, and um, it, uh, yeah, yeah, they definitely get more brutal as, as you get away from it. I mean, you know, we've been talking about, you know, that's the old Republic and all that, and I mean, like, how many worlds have been wasted? we've talked about i mean like at least 10 or 12 like just you know just i want to um, i wish i try let me see if i can find the artist on this there's a um okay so this is intentional the uh there's a floating in the in the timeline on wikipedia there's a mandalorian mural um so if you want to look look that up and i'll i'll share it on twitter um, is it the is it the like black and whitish one? It's the one. So right. So yes, it's the it's a mural um, that depicts Mandalorian Crusaders battling Jedi, um, and it is it is explicitly modeled on Pablo Picasso's Guernica, which you can tell based on like the the tones and the and the figures on the side, but in the middle, right? It's like what if. Guernica had um it's a weird weird mashup art it's kind of phenomenal um in a very strange way because like what if Picasso drew someone with a gun shooting <laughs> shooting a Mandalorian <laughs> who is like has a halo like a saint um <laughs> which uh no, the whole yeah why not right why not right and it, it um it's 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 such a mess, but it's also like the it captures a lot of the weird mashup of what you're trying to do because if you're trying to tell serious stories about war in universe, right? Like that's the that's the the cubist horror, the the distorted faces, the expression of 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 pain and agony by forced weird perspective, and then you're also trying to tell that very serious war story and all these implications about characters who are super cool and badasses. Um, and so what you oh, get, yeah. right, is it looks like it looks like an action figure in the middle of Guernica. It, it's something. I'll, I'll make sure to share it out there. But it's a weird... Captures very well the, the possibility and limitations for, for making this a way to explore war stories. And there will obviously be plenty uh, a whole universe of, of film and storytelling outside star wars that that does this in depth and doesn't have to do it with the constraint of sure but what if our kid sees this watches it and then never like star wars again and then we've lost a customer on a franchise for you know decades um but that they're able <laughs> to tell and that they're in, interested in telling these kinds of stories i think is a really neat thing about star wars um even if doing so means sanitizing some of it well, I mean, it's it it, it has. I mean, on one level, it has to be sanitized because, um, it, I mean, I I guess you might want to see every single atrocity that ever happens in war portrayed. I mean, in gritty detail, and I mean, like I think that under the right circumstances, like an R-rated Star Wars could be good, um, but. You know, on the other hand, like some of it is going to be sanitized, you know, regardless, because, you know, no corporation, Disney or Warner Brothers or Fox or who the hell, and well, not Disney owns Fox, but you know what I'm saying? None of them are going to show, you know, like the torture or, you know, whatever that goes on, at least not in explicit terms uh, or, you know, anything like that that goes on in more. So on some, on some level it's going to be sanitized, but on, you know, on the other 
on another level, it, it does a good job of, of teaching, you know, of, of doing like the parable or the like, you know, the the virtue, the striving for virtue that the series does. Because, I mean, I think at one time I've said the series is 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 a bunch of child stories and, and on a level it is. But I think now I think I might say it's it's parables because it is the. Um, it is, you know, trying to tell us this story and, but it, it's always, it's almost always going to be on the light dark dynamic. There's a good, there's a good guy and there's a bad guy. And I mean, they're, you know, they're going to gray it a little bit, but it's always going to be like this parable and like, you know, the, the virtues that, that we want to have, even if, you know, we don't think that people, you know, war criminals deserve redemption in the real world, or they have to work a long time for it or something like that, whatever your particular um, idea with that is in star Wars, they're going to get redeemed because it's looking at the better virtues of people. They, we, you know, we should, we, we should want to be able to do that. And I mean, obviously we can't in the real world for reasons, but on another level, they're not. They're just telling these, you know, these morality tales. And I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, that's Star Wars. It's, you know, they're constantly trying to balance um, the beginning of any episode of Clone Wars where it's like got this like cheesy overwrought um, quote, uh, you know, like, uh, I, you know, pick your, pick your, uh, your aphorism but um but but then it's also trying to balance it with the stuff from you know like from from kotor kotor 2 or the legacy comics or you know um empire strikes back or last jedi and stuff like that in um in the movie so it's just uh it's interesting to um you know to to see how how they do that i guess you know that that gets back to the you know the big thing here I'm thinking um, of the specific um, way that Lego Star Wars, which is probably the the entry level. It's entirely possible that there are uh, now generation or whole generation of people or two who have whose first exposure to Star Wars was through Lego Star Wars before seeing all of the movies. Um, but like how they handle. Um, how they handle revenge of the Sith where like Anakin was very mean to the younglings and like they're in like Lego cages because the medium does not allow you to tell the story as it is told. That is a story you can learn in a different way and like remains, um, I think one of the more yeah. affecting and haunting and powerful moments on film for how little of it is shown. Um, and like we're not going to see right like Lego Star Wars isn't going to do like the internment of the uh, of the Mon Calamari, um, yeah. <laughs> but um, they were but it's still going to create a, a framework for exploring these stories and for getting people um, to to poke around further and see further stuff. Um, and yeah, and I think one of the things that moving moving away from from the established narrow narrow confines of the skywalker arc will let bigger stories be told in more interesting spaces and we'll get to see right like what i mean this is this is my wish as a as a uh, nerd about these this kind of storytelling anyway but i would love to see a story about what happened when did the republic go from regularly having a standing army to why didn't it i think that's a really interesting story to tell and we know it happens well, we don't know it happens in canon. We can surmise it happens in canon. We can guess that it happens in canon based on the lack of an army at the start of Phantom Menace and the existence of an army and story set before. Because um, that's the story that hasn't been explored. It'd be a really interesting one to explore in a universe where um, multiple permutations of it have all played out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Um, I think that's about what we've got here. Um, we still have, um, we're still, still on the hiatus for, for, uh, the narrative hiatus for a little bit till 
till March, um, but we will keep going. We've got some ideas in the works. We're trying to work on a couple guests to make it all happen, but um, I think that really covers. Is there anything else you wanted to, to say on this before we call it a, a wrap? Thank you for listening to this episode of A People's History of the Old Republic. Please rate, comment, and subscribe to FOTOR on SoundCloud or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at FOTORPod or email us at FOTORPodcast at gmail.com. Send us questions and comments and we will answer them on the show. Um, If you have anything you want to see us address in an episode while we're on our narrative hiatus, please tweet or email us your ideas and suggestions. I'm Atherton KD on Twitter. I'm at Lucas Amazing on Twitter. Thank you again, and may the force be with you.